0: Before today's topic, a quick disclaimer. The stories and data we share come from the states that we practice in and the experiences we personally had, which can differ greatly across our country and certainly the globe. This is not a professional advice show. So get comfy and let's discuss death.
1: Welcome to Mart Mike, a down to earth discussion on death and dying. I'm Jem. And
0: I'm Red, and this week we are your rescuers of the reposed. Not all bodies get to be returned to their home. Some are victims of war overseas, Uh, others are lost in natural disasters. But today our main focus is going to be on extreme sports enthusiasts that push themselves to the limit and sometimes they don't make it back alive. Not every place that a person dies is easy to access.
1: I pulled some pretty big people out of some pretty tight bathrooms, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, we can find ourselves in really sticky situations that we create our own permanent final resting place that others can't get to or get us out of. Some bodies are just unreachable.
0: I think we should start at a high point with some mountain deaths. Can we put in some treesy drum sound effect here? I think that was that's the time for it. <laughs>
1: Oh, I didn't even get that pun. I was like, what?
0: There we go. (laughs) As long as humans and mountains have been around, we've been trying to climb to the top of them. Uh, I'm mainly going to be talking about one specific mountain today, however, and that is Mount Everest, because there is so much data and articles about it. I went down like a three-day rabbit hole just researching like one mountain. Like it's it's insane. So Mount Everest is the mountain I picked because there have been about 300 deaths on it uh, as compared to other mountains. I'll, I'll talk about some a little bit later on. So when you think about how people die on a mountain, like our minds would normally go to what, like exposure, exhaustion, and that does make up a huge majority of the deaths. But it's not as big as some of these other ones, which I thought were really interesting. Uh, avalanches account for nearly half of the deaths on uh, Mount Everest. Um, and some other uh, ways to die that are pretty metal, honestly, if you, if you look at it. <laughs> you can just get crushed by a giant pillar of ice um, the size of a house. Like, that's, 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 a, that's a thing. Like, on multiple of the death certificates, what? death by Sirach was the method of death, which is what oh that's gosh. called. Insane. <laughs> some of the other uh, smaller causes of death on the mountain are going to be things like health problems, uh, heart attacks, strokes... Uh, injuries from falling off the mountain. Um, and, and very rarely uh, disappearances, but that still happens. Some people, they, you just can't find them. Um, they just get buried underneath something, uh, a rock or snow, and just no one ever finds them, so we can't really get an accurate cause of death. And it's it's really hard to remove these bodies from the mountain. Uh, it's already hard enough to climb the mountain, so to bring somebody <laughs> else back down with you that's died, is it's like near impossible. Uh, some people can fall into... Curv- I never know how to say this crevice crevasses. or crevasse. Crevasse. I sound
1: so. Crevasses. So British. I say it's crevasse singular and crevasse. Crevasses plural, but that's just me.
0: Okay. <laughs> So some people uh, will actually get frozen to the mountain uh, when they they die there. So like to take a body which is already I mean what like 150 to 200 pounds of like athletic hiker and all of this ice that's attached to it like that's that's a lot of weight to be carrying down the mountain. Mm-hmm. It's kind of true. I
1: don't know if there's a science behind this, but I feel like frozen bodies are a little bit heavier than fresh bodies. Maybe it's just because they're so stiff and it's so difficult to carry them. Um, but I've definitely had my experience of frozen bodies up here in the north. Um, you know, grandpa falls down outside, has a heart attack, and no one finds him for two days, and it's negative 10 degrees outside. That's pretty much the same effect, I feel.
0: I think so, too. There must be something with like, The crystallization of the water vapor in the air, or something that adds the weight—I have no idea—but I definitely, I see where you're coming from with that, and I agree. So, say that you did lose a loved one to the mountain, uh, then you wanted to have them back and bring them back home. This is going to cost a lot of money. Um it costs thousands of dollars to climb the mountain itself like to go on an expedition up to the top. It's about like 30 to 80,000 depending on how sketchy you want to hire a sherpa. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't just... even know that. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is a lot of money. Um That's crazy. But then to bring a body down it's going to you're going to tack like a, a few tens onto that just depending um, on who will do it for you and how high up the mountain somebody is and like you would you would hope like oh well yeah like just use a helicopter but you can't because the hurricane force winds that are always surrounding like the mountaintop at the summit so like there's there's absolutely no way that the that helicopter can make it up there There's actually a place on the north face of the mountain um, being the harder of the two faces to climb between the north and south. It's got a stretch on it called the Rainbow Ridge, uh, and they call it that because of all of the dead bodies that are there uh, with all of their colorful climbing and winter gear uh, that just, like, pepper that, that part of the slope.
1: That's so crazy. I just, like, I can't imagine, like, climbing a mountain and walking by, like, a bunch of dead bodies and being, like yeah okay we're gonna keep doing this yeah, like, you know, let's just
0: keep going <laughs> like this is a great idea
1: <laughs> this is not my cup of tea at all i just like more power to you guys but like i just don't understand why anyone would want to do this
0: there's even been parties of people who have died trying to get bodies off the mountain who have died <laughs> like oh, no. so just creating yeah. a pile of corpses <laughs> just oh, no. absolutely crazy <laughs> that's so bad there's actually uh, interesting enough a, a controversy surrounding removing bodies from the mountain. So some climbers their wishes like they they already know the dangers of of you know climbing Mount Everest and some climbers their wishes are actually if I die on the mountain leave me on the mountain like I want to I want to stay there I want to be left on the mountain that I tried to conquer. There's others that, especially locals uh, that actually believe the mountain to be a sacred place. And so like having bodies strewn everywhere is kind of like dishonoring the the gods that they believe in that like inhabit the mountain and like their religions and stuff. And then of mm. course, there's the families that want to bring bodies home. So like we have a lot of interesting like politics that that happen to to be surrounding like death and bodies on the mountain. So as time is going on, more bodies are being uncovered on the mountain, uh, like with glacial melting, some bodies move due to wind. So if they had fallen into a place that they weren't able to be reached before, like the wind could push them even farther down the slope into a path that is normally traveled. And some expeditioners even will move bodies that are like in the middle of a path off to the side there have been like honorable burials given by pushing bodies like into crevasses or like stones being piled up like cairns um so it's like there's some sense of decency because a lot of these people are dying like in the path of other climbers so like there are going to be many more expeditions and people walking past them and so like being gawked at is it's kind of like traumatic for these families at home knowing that like their loved one is being trekked by
1: that's kind of like oddly nice in a way, like taking care of your own. You know what I mean? In in a weird way, it's like having your own like climber ceremony for those who have like gone before you. I think it's really nice, actually, that people do that. I didn't know that. There are
0: a few famous bodies on the mountain. That sounds so really weird <laughs> to say, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but they essentially become landmarks on the trail. Um, someone that many have probably actually heard of is Green Boots. It's one of the most common people that you would pass on the way up the mountain um, He was never properly identified but dep- like determined based on like who was going up the mountain around that time frame frame and like who like was basically who didn't come home uh, it was assumed to be Suang Peljor his nickname comes uh, from the green hiking boots that he was wearing before he climbed under a rocky overhang where he died of exposure. So uh, pretty much every single hiker coming up the north side of the mountain is going to be ca- passing like next to his alcove where he was. There was actually another climber, uh, David Sharp. He died likely of hypothermia. He died in the same cave after he tried to attempt a solo climb. So he actually climbed in there and and died next to green boots. It's kind of sad he only gets known as his moniker. Uh, like even the Wikipedia page that I was like looking up some stuff on uh, has no page for the person as like his his name it's just it always redirects to green boots so like it it, it kind of is sad that like his his name is like lost to, to time essentially
1: like I said before though I think that it's a weird sort of like comfort I'm not a climber so I don't know so you can tell me if I'm wrong <laughs> but like having these people and their bodies on the trail it kind of is like these people tried to do this before me and they're still here and they were climbers like me it kind of is a reminder of like how careful you have to be and like how dangerous it is and i want to say like that green boots is like watching over these people because if you see a dead guy like you're probably going to try to be a little bit more careful than if you just like were willy-nilly like trudging up there i don't know
0: sure absolutely One of the other uh, famous people on the mountain is uh, renamed as Sleeping Beauty. Her name is Frances Arsentiev. She was the first woman to summit without the use of uh, additional oxygen. But she died of exposure on the descent. So she actually was able to to make it to the top, wow. but mm-hmm. um, she summited really late in the day, and like there were some complications with their equipment, so uh, that made it a lot more complicated to come back down when it was later. And she became separated from her husband Sergey. Um, he tried to climb back up and help her, but her condition was so critical at that point. Um, He was actually found dead himself by fall by another expedition on a lower part of the mountain. And um, Mm -hmm. she was lastly found by another climber, Ian Woodall. Uh, he found her on his way up and actually stayed with her during her dying moments and like actually gave up his shot to summit because he'd stayed with her. And like even wow. more like Hallmark, uh, Hallmarky story here. Uh, he actually returned many years later. Cause he like, it just sat with him that he wasn't able to like save her that day. And uh, she had been on the trail for like nine years at this point. And on memory alone, he returned to the place that he left her and dug through, like, four feet of snow and found her on the second try. Like, that is absolutely insane to me that he was able to do that. Like Mm -hmm.
1: That's so, like, heartwarming in a weird way. I don't know. Like, I'm all about, like, camaraderie and looking out for (laughs) your fellow man, but, like i don't know it's just like it's so sad but like it's so nice that people think to do these kind of things
0: yeah absolutely and he was able to um basically give her you know the quote-unquote honor honorable burial i talked about they wrapped her in an american flag and she was lowered uh as carefully as you can be off the side of the mountain and with the hope that she would be dropped to the location that her husband had fallen to as well oh yeah I, I thought uh, this this was actually as I was reading through this story, this did go through my mind um, as a question myself. I was like, well, what about like the rest of the family? Like, did they say this was OK? Uh, the son was never contacted for permission to do this. He actually had to find out via like the news. Like he just was watching the news one day and like this story was on there. It's like, dude, that's my mom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Was oh, he okay with it? He he eventually like after you know kind of getting to think through it, he was actually okay with it um, because he you know this person you know Ian Ian Woodall was with her when she died like that was something that mm-hmm. her his son could never have had and like he understood that there must have had some like climbing bond together that you know he felt the mm-hmm. need to take care of her one more time and so like he he eventually was okay with it. But to wrap up uh, at Mount Everest, I wanted to do uh, a good little bit of statistics because you know I love a good statistic plug. Um, We love a good statistic plug. (laughs) We love our numbers here. Um, So the chances of dying on the mountain are about 1%. It used to be about 2% in the 70s and 80s, so it's getting a little safer every every year. But I think it's just because everyone knows Mount Everest because it's the tallest mountain. So a lot more adrenaline junkies are seeking to climb it. Uh, But it's also had like a lot of successful uh, ascents and it's really well mapped and traveled. So I think that's that's why the percentage is so low. Um, Mm. The ratio of deaths to successful climbs is about one death to 80 successes. So that's that's not so bad, I guess.
1: I guess. I don't know. I still feel like that's a lot. I don't know how many people climb it, though.
0: And I guess that doesn't include, those numbers don't really include anybody who hasn't finished. Like, there's probably a bunch of people that, like, started and haven't finished that aren't part of that that statistic, right. too. Right. But you want to compare that to the second largest mountain to climb in the world, K2. There's only been 355 successful summits ever and there's been a whopping 82 deaths. That's a that's a 23 fatality rate. So like Everest wow. is is crazy and all, but K2, like that's where you go to to really show off to die. <laughs> yeah, to die. <laughs> Please don't guys. <laughs> oh. But online, you can see some of the pictures of these bodies that are on the mountain, like Green Boots and Sleeping Beauty. But like that's, it's all older photography. Like current photography, like it's so disrespectful. Like that's not a thing you'll see. But uh, expeditioners often have to trek right near these bodies. As many people die as they climb, and bodies of the fallen will settle and be uncovered by the elements uh, in the flat areas where camps are set up. This is something climbers have to be prepared for. It's honestly super crazy to think that some of these people, uh, actively dying on the path, were already assumed to be dead, or they had to be passed by because saving them would actually have endangered the other climbers. So, like, please, like, go down a rabbit hole, like yourself on Mount Everest and deaths on uh, Everest, because it's it's absolutely insane. Like, I wanted to talk about so many more things, like the death rate for Sherpas, uh, like specific cataclysmic avalanches and earthquakes that have caused mass death on the mountain and the increase in ascenders causing backups on the mountain there's there's so much topics out there like please like definitely look into this if it interests you i i barely scratched the surface it sounds like we could have like a three-part series on like everest deaths and
1: everything that happened definitely it's so interesting (laughs) When compared to climbing, there aren't any caves with the death count that Everest has. Statistically, it's about as half as dangerous to go spelunking than it is to climb a mountain. But that doesn't mean that the situations that cause people to lose their lives on the ground aren't just as tragic and terrifying.
0: So if you thought dying on a frigid, cold mountain between a rock and a hard place were tough, wait until you hear about caving. All of the mountains that I researched had such badass names, but the juxtaposition of the names of the caves I'm about to talk about and the morbidity of those who have died in them, is, it's a wee bit comical.
1: <laughs> I'm so excited to hear.
0: So this one surprised me too uh, when it comes to like causes of death. Uh, the highest rate of death in caves, it comes from two different things. Do you want to take a guess? at what those might be? Um, I would guess,
1: I would guess like collapses and like uh, lack of oxygen.
0: Okay, so you're, you're close, you got one of them. So oh. uh, <laughs> falls and rock falls are the highest. So you falling into a hole or a rock falling on you. Mm-hmm. But the big, one of the big ones that I didn't even consider was drowning. So I'm not talking about like oh. cave diving deaths specifically, I'm like talking about flooding.
1: Oh, interesting. I didn't know that caves like flooded. I guess maybe in movies they kind of show that sometimes, right?
0: Yeah, like I've I've seen like, you know, in the Descent the movie The Descent, like there's water in the caves, and I know like I've been in a few caves myself and it's just, it's wet, you know, it's underground, but like legitimately funny. Like essentially like some of these cave systems, you're in a giant like tube of likely porous rocks and like what'll happen if it rains topside? You're a sitting duck because it'll just all this water will start to fil- start to filter down to your level and like flood parts of the cave so you can't like get back the way you came, or you'll just like be crawling in a tube and just drown. Like
1: Wow Yeah.
0: Absolutely crazy. Like some of the some of the other causes of death yet again are gonna be like health issues. It's it's a physically demanding extreme sport, you know. So if you're already kinda, you know, battling your own illnesses, like this is not something that is uh <laughs> recommended exposure and exhaustion are also up there i mean it gets really cold underground especially if you're wet and uh extremely tiresome some of the super rare causes of death are going to be like you mentioned bad air or like lack of oxygen uh histoplasmosis uh and leptospirosis are another one which is like a fungal or a bacterial infection and like Mm. one of the most rare ways of dying which also a surprise to me is getting lost i would have thought that would be way up there but um Apparently it's it's super rare. Okay. So here comes time where I get to unveil like the best worst name for a cave ever uh, and our first topic when it comes to caves which is Schrodinger's Pants Cave Schrodinger's Pants? Schrodinger's Pants like so we've all heard of like Schrodinger's cat but no this is not yeah. some weird science joke to do with his his theories um, it's actually named after the explorer who found the cave who as the name would indicate tore the buns of his pants during one of the explorations into the cave <laughs> system <laughs>
1: Very interesting.
0: So a caver named James Mitchell found himself suspended on a rope in a 75-foot pit uh, in this cave system and was being continuously drenched by a frigid waterfall. This is back in, like, 1965. There was a three-day rescue effort trying to reach him, but he died so early in this timeline that the mission was eventually aborted. And a cave-in due to them drilling trying to get to him actually further stymied the already impossible task. His body was eventually lowered down, and the cave was abandoned and blasted shut, and a headstone was placed at the mouth in memory of him.
1: Wow, that's so crazy. Can you imagine three days hanging there on a rope being drenched by a waterfall? He died pretty early, you said, but still, that's crazy. One day is enough.
0: Yeah, one day is way, way, way enough. They did actually try to recover his skeleton uh, after about 41 years later. They had found, like many caves, uh, a lot of times they'll find like an alternate opening or like another system that connects. And so they attempted to go back in and uh, six workers spending four hours were actually able to get to him, uh, which at this point, of course, he was just bones. But uh, they were able to rescue what they were able to find and then also found his helmet. It uh, had like 18 notches carved in it, which denoted the 18 caves that he had explored successfully. So Mm. a really interesting thing to take away uh, and was actually given to his family, I'm pretty sure. Mm, Wow, that's cool. He was cremated by the local coroner and the family actually plans on spreading his ashes really uh, close to the cave in memory of, of, even though it was traumatic, in memory of the, the trip that he had taken.
1: Right, right. Near Schrodinger's Pants. What's another good name for a cave we're going to learn about today? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me
0: tell you, Jim. Let's try on Nutty Putty Cave for size. <laughs> Nutty Putty. <laughs> <What the heck? laughs> so this one, uh, yet again, all the caves have reason for their naming. Uh, this one is named because of the density and, like, T- kind of like soil that's in the cave it's like kind of muddy so mm. they named it nutty putty <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course
0: of course like any like, like any good scientist or expo- explorer would i would never name something <laughs> legitimately <laughs> thought well thought out name <laughs> so nutty putty was actually it's it's considered by many um a good like beginner cave like a, a good starter cave to experience what it's like to do some splunking We'll find that it was actually quite dangerous for a gentleman named John Jones. He attempted with some buddies to go through the birth canal squeeze, uh, which is a actually very doable section of the cave. But he actually ended up in a completely uncharted part of the cave instead before we get further can i
1: birth canal squeeze is that really what it's called
0: okay listen okay so yeah the the cave cave name whack but like if you go and (laughs) look up like all of the the different parts of nutty putty cave because like they're broken into different segments yeah, again, more crazy names for like all these different different <laughs> like things that people have to travel through. Like I Oh my gosh. Clearly like the splunkers have a great sense of humor when it comes to <laughs> to their craft. <laughs> wow. So this poor dude goes into this uncharted part of the cave and he ended up becoming wedged head first, like da- like downward facing in a tube that was no wider than the opening of a dryer like the opening wow. to a dryer. So after 28 hours of being inverted in this cave, oh uh, there were many rescue attempts that led to even the rescuers themselves becoming injured and stuck. Uh, John did finally pass away after after 28 hours, which yet again, like to be upside down, that is oh that is goodness. a million years.
1: That's so crazy. It must
0: have felt so long to him. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you have to imagine, like, being upside down, like, y- people die even after just a few hours of having, like, the the blood flow to their head or, like... Right. At, at 28 hours. Like, what an absolute badass.
1: That's insane.
0: <laughs> so this cave itself has also been sealed. Uh, they put a concrete plug in and a memorial plaque. I was erected at the entrance for him as well. Um, if you want to learn more about this specific incident there's a youtube movie Uh, actually i found that it's called the last descent not to be confused with the descent which is also a cave movie a horror cave movie um but yeah it's it's definitely worth checking out so without going down another rabbit hole uh, i also wanted to do an honorable mention for mossdale caverns um this is one of those situations where six men actually drowned in the depths of the cave because uh like a just a Random huge rainfall happened. This is like what is it England? And it's, you know, heavy rainfalls are kind of common over there, but they weren't expecting that much weather. And yeah, a bunch of rain came down, and it was enough to actually swallow up the cave entrance, so they weren't able to get out. Um, hmm. And when they went to discover the bodies, they had all drowned. In. So, say you find yourself stuck in a cave, or you're injured or something like that there's an actual specific subsect of wilderness rescue that contains the aspect of firefighting confined space rescue rope rescue and mountaineering uh, that basically make up the specialized career of cave rescue and um, there's a very specific curriculum to join to be able to do this it's typically done on a volunteer basis and there's like a like niche organization that's funded by donation, donations like in every country. Um, there's only a few organizations worldwide with very limited members, and they often have to work together due to their small ranks. So if somebody is to get stuck in a cave in the U.S., you're definitely going to be having rescue teams from around the world to come help. But not all deaths in caves are of the spelunkers who travel them. Um, and This is a big, big one that hit the news, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people are familiar with it. The Thai cave rescue Uh, where the junior football team got stuck in a cave after it flooded because of a monsoon. Have you heard of that one, Jem? I actually have not heard of that one. All right, so it's it was it was a big to do, and the, it mostly just because of the rescue efforts that had to be made uh, because of it. Um, none of the the boys and their coach that got trapped died, but two of the rescue workers that tried to save them did. Um, wow, one from asphyxiation during the dive to get to the boys, and then the other actually died months later. Um, he ended up getting a blood infection that he acquired while being in the cave. Even though these rescue teams work lengthy, exhausting hours on these rescue missions, the hard truth is that when someone dies in a cave, it's, it's really difficult to retrieve them. It's not even a matter of money, but logistics and the safety of those who have to squeeze in after them. But if you were just starting to feel claustrophobic with the stories I told you, I think Jem might have something to tip us over the edge.
1: Exactly. If you thought spelunking was dangerous, try to combine that with scuba diving. We're going to talk about cave diving, which is something that I didn't think that people did, but it is something that people do because you guys are crazy, but I'm all here (laughs) for it. Um, So cave diving, if you don't know what that is, it's basically cave exploring, but with scuba diving equipment to explore these underwater caves, Um, You know, because under the ground there's lots of water and a lot of... uh, Caves that are formed basically entirely underwater and people just like dive down there to like, look at them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, cave diving is actually, as you can imagine, pretty dangerous combining the dangers of scuba diving along with the dangers of just cave diving in general. And what we're looking at in general is between July 1985 and June 2015, um, there is a report of a total of 161 um, diver deaths. 67 of these deaths were trained cave divers, people that had experience, and 87 of these deaths were untrained cave divers. Which, if you're untrained cave diver, what are you doing right get trained (laughs) Right. (laughs) and while the annual number of cave diving fatalities has fallen over the past three decades um usually only like three a year um the proportion of trained divers among those fatalities has doubled so actually a lot of people are getting trained but it's you know the dangers are still there regardless if you're trained or not uh so the most common cause of death um is usually asphyxia due to drowning, um, preceded by running out of breathing gas. Um, You know, if you're scuba diving and you go deep down and let's say, you know, you're getting pressurized, you're getting excited or like anxious and you're breathing a lot more, you might not have calculated um, how much gas you need. So that's a pretty common cause of fatality. It is reported that an overwhelming majority of the fatalities occur in the state of Florida for some reason. <laughs> Florida um, man, I'm looking a at you. Of, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: they have a lot of flooded caves, apparently. There's also, like I said, a possibility of equipment failure and uh, hypercopenia, which is carbon dioxide poisoning. Um, carbon dioxide will absorb into your bloodstream much faster um, when you're deeper down. So this causes that carbon dioxide poisoning in your blood if you're not careful, if the equipment you're using um, is not up to snuff. And like I said, the equipment that they do use for that, it can get overloaded if you start breathing too quickly or if you start moving around too much. Um, So it's really important to remain calm. Obviously, if you are in fear of your uh, life, it's kind of hard to do that. Okay, so I'm absolutely gonna murder the name of this cave and I'm so (laughs) sorry. Um, it's located in Helsinki, so we're talking Finnish here, and I do not speak Finnish, unfortunately. But there were five men that were set to explore this cave, Steinugel Get. and that's all I'm going to give you guys because that's all I got. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and this is um, a pretty dangerous dive. It's it's a it was a well known um, cave diving expedition, and at the start of the cave, you're um, basically already underwater through the whole entire thing so the start of the cave is a lake like a pond so you just Mm -hmm. go in and you get your diving gear ready and then you go under and there's that the bbc actually did a story on on this and there's actually like a map of the cave it's literally just like tiny nooks and crevices and like weird little descents and like crevices just full of water So anyways, these five men decided to explore the cave and they had been buddies like cave diving together for a while, and this was known to be a dangerous cave. So what had happened was that two of the men decided to go ahead a little bit and no one is really sure what happened because um, one of the men started to panic. Maybe something was wrong with his equipment. He started breathing too fast the second man that was with him noticed that something was wrong and he tried to give him a cylinder of gas to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide in his system. Um, But while they were switching mouthpieces, um, the person that was giving him the gas um, started swallowing water and started to drown.
0: Oh, Jesus. That's terrifying.
1: So after this person who was already panicking is watching his buddy basically die, he... um, he got the he got the air canister from his buddy, but he was unable to calm himself down. So he himself uh, passed away a little bit while longer. The second group of men that were with them um, would eventually find them and would find that their bodies were blocking the way to the cave. So this is how narrow this cave is. Is that one body was like blocking the whole entire thing? And then here they're already doing their own exploration. They're already having, um, difficulties of their own, but they had to decide, do I move past this dead body to get to the end and try to, you know, save myself that way? Or do I turn around and go back? Because at this point they're pretty deep into the cave. They have to assess like how much oxygen they have left, you know, how much further they have to go. Um, They actually decided to move past the bodies, because you can imagine trying to get these bodies unstuck and trying to pull them up with them, that they all would have died probably trying to get these bodies out of there. So they had to make the tough decision to leave them there and then um, continue on with the exploration. But because of the situation and because they had to spend time getting past the bodies, um, they actually had to rise to the surface, I think it said 80 minutes early. So... When it comes to diving, if you guys don't know, you have to depressurize very slowly. So you have to go up to the surface very slowly, or else you get decompression sickness called the bends.
0: Is it just like the expanding of the gas in your arteries and veins too fast?
1: Yeah. So it's basically when the nitrogen in your bloodstream um, starts to form gas bubbles because it is expanding too fast due to the pressurization, like happening too quickly. So after the remaining three divers got through the expedition, they passed the bodies. They knew um, exactly where they were. Um, they had to you know, call the cops, report the deaths. Um, but because they were in Helsinki and there wasn't really an adequate rescue team, um, the police decided that they weren't really going to do anything about it. Um, it was just too dangerous. They didn't really have the right equipment. They didn't really know what to do. The families of the divers that perished, you know, obviously wanted their loved ones back, um, and the men that they were diving with felt like they needed to rescue them, Um, so that's exactly what they did. They worked with one of the rescue teams that Red was talking about to devise, like, a a rescue uh, plan to go and get the two bodies of their friends back. Um, and this was a much more well thought out than the expedition. They had a lot of, a lot more preparation. Um, so essentially what they did, which I thought was really cool, is that they took, uh, air canister air canisters and they put them along the trail. So like they would dive down a little bit, leave an air canister there, come back up, get another one, dive down a little bit more, leave an air canister there, come back up. So if anything happened. Um, if they needed air, there would be like little checkpoints along the cave that they could go and get air and they wouldn't have to worry about doing the whole dive on like the amount that they could carry on their body. So the friends that actually, you know, were there when their friends died, they actually partook in the rescue mission, mostly because they knew exactly where their friends were and they knew like the the terrain, they knew the cave so it was actually a British rescue team that were, was able to help them. Like Red said, these people, you know, come from all over parts of the country because it's a very like specialized profession. When they got to the bodies, they had been there for some time. So obviously the bodies had taken on water. They had become more buoyant. So this kind of made things a little bit more difficult, um, harder to control. Um, and part of the cave also collapsed uh, on, on one of the bodies. Um, but through the preparation that they had and working with the British rescue team, um, the whole operation of rescue took about 101 hours of oh diving gosh. time. So after 101 hours of diving time, they were able to rescue the bodies and have them you know, brought back to the family. Um, and actually what they did was considered technically illegal because the Finnish police didn't want to do the recovery mission um but they were charged and all the charges uh, were dropped but it's just like a really really cool story honestly and it's you know it's cool that it is you know a dangerous sport that people do and like they understand the risk of dying and it's really it's really really scary but like the people that were doing it with them were able to rescue the bodies and were able to um, bring closure to their family and kind of like be at peace with the situation
0: Honestly, I think I think out of all of these like extreme sports, like cave diving sounds the most terrifying to me. Like essentially, like at least with spelunking, you still like feel the concept of gravity. But when you're in the water, it's like this weightlessness. And like if you can't see, like God forbid, your like headlamp goes out, and like you can't see which way your bubbles are going, so you don't know which direction you're going. Like, oh God, I see so many things going wrong, like underwater like that. Oh, that's right. Just, that sounds like and so facts- scary.
1: And the fact that you like cannot panic, like you can't, your breathing cannot accelerate or like you're going to die. So that's just like being able to remain calm in that
0: situation. Like, I don't know how people do
1: it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, honestly, I think I think I'm going to stick with normal sports for now and leave the adventuring <laughs> to my d <D&D> d character. <laughs>
1: So we only briefly touched on uh, several of these extreme sport desks, um, but if you're interested in something like this, there's a lot of articles, a lot of stories, a lot of documentaries out there that you can go and look up. Um, we had a fun time looking into it, but obviously we can't talk about everything. We just don't have the time. But if you're into extreme sports yourself, more power to you. Just make sure you be careful and always check your equipment.
0: But that's going to be all for this week on Mort Mike. We'd love to connect with you guys on our socials, so like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Mort Mike Podcast. That's M-O-R-T-M-I-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. It would mean a lot to hear your feedback, so please tell us what you think, get a comment, or drop us a rating on whatever podcast hosting site you use. If you have any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear about, or burning questions you might have about death, give us an email at mortmikepodcast at gmail.com. I also want to give a huge
1: thank you to our friend Marson for the use of his song titled Deputies of Death, which he produced just for our show. You can check out his Bandcamp at Marson—that's M that's M-A-R-S-O-N, music.bandcamp.com.
0: Thanks, Marson! And be sure to tune in every other week on Thursdays for more casual discussions on death. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been Mort Mike. Bye. Bye.